0: Hello my darlings, it's me, Anna Mann, actress, singer, welder, gotta have a backup. I've been in everything, my darlings, and I've been cut from most things. However, I will not be cut from one thing, and that is my own podcast, Talking to Actors with Anna Mann, where I meet
1: those rarest of creatures, the actors. That's Talking to Actors on The
0: Great Big Owl.
1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. out of character a podcast about sketch and character comedy my name is alex lynch in this show i chat to writers and performers from the world of sketch and character comedy find out what made them venture into it talk about their characters maybe meet some of their characters and generally just shoot the breeze and more importantly have a laugh my special guest for episode six is the writer performer susan harrison hello
0: Hello, lovely to be here. Hi,
1: thanks very much. And we, uh, this is the maiden voyage of your new mic setup.
0: It is. It's very exciting. It's um, shiny and new and hopefully working. So yeah.
1: And uh, how have you been finding lockdown? Because I, I know we've talked, we've talked about the sort of trying to be creative, all the kind of pressures of being creative. But um, how have you sort of been finding it day by day?
0: Yeah, it's been like so up and down which is a pretty boring thing to say i think everyone's sort of experiencing that but yeah and at the start i kind of felt like i just wanted to hide under a rock and not um create any content ever again <laughs> which i think it <laughs> was just like my initial gut reaction um uh, yeah. just to sort of crawl away and cuz yeah just you know it's such a huge global thing and it felt like i just i sort of temporarily lost uh my sense of humor and lost the ability to be silly and um yeah so the first couple of weeks I was like no I can't create anything uh and then I ended up taking part in like a spoof Eurovision and that kind of got my silliness back again which was actually really helpful cuz I think there's part of you that feels like you shouldn't be uh lighthearted during such a terrible dark time but then there's another part of you that's like you need it for your soul. Yeah, so,
1: absolutely. Yeah. You took part in the Showstoppers Alternative Eurovision, mm. which was brilliant. Oh, That was, thank a, you. It was such a it was such a fun night and it, it felt just like the real one because the songs were the songs were weirdly catchy. <laughs> and also it was it was all very political, just like the real thing, <laughs> which I loved.
0: Oh, great. You guys
1: raised like 6,000 or something, didn't you for the yeah. carers?
0: Yeah, we raised over 7 grand, which yeah which was amazing and just so nice that so many people sort of not only donated but kind of entered in to the spirit of it um cuz we've always enjoyed watching Eurovision and so like with all of our stuff it's kind of affectionate like affectionate homaging so we always sort of do our research and we did with this as well like we watched <laughs> <laughs> you know we all watched our watched some Eurovision inspiration. And the real things, the real videos in Eurovision are so nuts that uh, it's kind of impossible to be, it's impossible to be too weird. So it was real. it was really fun.
1: How did you sort of decide who was going to be doing what? Were you all assigned your countries or did you pick? Yeah,
0: yeah, we were actually, yeah. <laughs> we were assigned our countries and then um, uh, everyone, yeah, because the way it worked, we, we were also assigned a musical director and they, we worked with them like we wrote the lyrics and they wrote them you know melody as far as there were melodies and the arrangements and stuff and um yeah so and then we sort of made sure that we were covering all bases so that we weren't all doing the same type of comedy approach to it so yes we weren't we weren't all doing a spoof of a heartfelt ballad for instance um you know it was pretty varied so like my favorite one was Sean McCann, who did um, Russia, which was like really hardcore heavy metal in a shed, and uh, (laughs) because they're often in Eurovision, there is often one like inexplicable heavy metal song. So um, you know, we made sure, yeah, we made sure basically that we weren't all hitting the same tropes, um, just to keep it like interesting and to let the audience have ones that they that they genuinely enjoyed and then ones that they genuinely didn't enjoy. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, it was fun. But I think that yeah kind of like um got me back into the um desire to create stuff again, you know.
1: Is it's nice to do something just totally daft like that, isn't yeah,
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: But your act was was sort of a Bjork type. Is that right?
0: Kind of <laughs> well, was. Well, um I mean, thank you, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, she was more like um basically there was what in a couple of years ago there was a contestant who did a whole song with like a ladder and a man at the top of a ladder with a horse's head on. What? Yeah, who sort of sat really still and then moved, sort of did a little bit of hand choreography. And at the end, he took his horse head off. So I just loved how, um, obviously, how nuts that was. And, but also it was kind of trying to be profound. Um, yeah. So, so that was my my trope was like you know the contestant who's trying to do something profound and theatrical basically and and not quite pulling it off it sort of ends up being a bit gcse <laughs> gcse drama
1: <laughs> did you base your character on that on that act or was what was the name of your character again? Marika?
0: Marika Elan. Yeah. Um, Marika Elan. I think I definitely based the song on that or like the inspiration for the song was from that um, for um, Jordan Clark, who did the music as well. I think, you know, both of us took that as the sort of t- starting point. But yeah, then as sort of character wise, uh, I did. I really enjoyed being that character online in the run up um much more than I thought I would and she was very active on Instagram and very active on Twitter um and she I don't know she was just a sort of amalgamation of like uh I suppose people who I you know an artist who might enter Eurovision (laughs) in my head uh but maybe with a bit of like yeah trying to have a bit of profoundness to her so she was a sort of a medley of yeah of like a sort of influencer type but also someone who was genuinely interested in conceptual art Always shine, live on A few of us really got into playing these characters online and interacting with each other. Um, and I think that <laughs> that just sort of made it all escalate a bit. And that's why, um, that was what made me do more of it, you know, sort of think, Oh, I wonder what she'd be like if she was, you know, if she was talking to her fans via video or, you know. So it was quite a nice it ended up being quite collaborative which was nice
1: claire sweeney wasn't a fan of <laughs> fan of you was she
0: i know it was so funny <laughs> and, uh, but i felt like that was completely true to your revision do you know what i really mean? like to, for a, for an act to make something really weird and for one of the commentators to be like Uh, what the hell was that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i felt like we did our job brilliant <laughs>
1: You are part of the show Stoppers as a a regular member. Uh, were you with them from the from the very start of that? No, or did you no. join them later? Or- yeah,
0: yeah. So I joined them later. I wasn't there. I wasn't one of the original members, but I've been in the company. I think I think it's been eight years now, and the company's been going for twelve years. I think. Um, yeah, so I sort of discovered improv through Rob Broderick. Who is an amazing act? Who do, well, he does an act called Abandonment? Do you know Rob Broderick? Yes,
1: I do. And interestingly enough, because uh, in a previous episode, I had Richard Soames on, mm. and he discovered improv through Rob Broderick as well.
0: Oh, that's right. Because me and Richard Soames did started our sort of monkey toast journey around about the same time, I think. Um, oh, right. And we were, and I I, th- I presume and think we both heard about that through Rob Broderick. Um, yeah. So, uh, when I was doing characters on the circuit, I wanted to get better at improvising with audience members. And Rob Broderick was running a course at the time, this was a long time ago, which was improvisation for the solo performer. And so I did that and enjoyed it. And then he pointed me towards more improv, which was doing Monkey Toast. And then, And so then I was like deep into it. (laughs) It's very addictive. And then, (laughs) yeah, there there was an audition (laughs) for Showstoppers and I auditioned and then I had a recall and then I got in. And the rest is history. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. At the time, so this because it was quite a long time ago, I think now if someone auditioned for it now, it would be slightly different because everyone's had so much experience at teaching and directing Um, now but at the time it was very much like okay do one warm-up everyone together like just a warm-up game and then it was like right improvise a duet off you go wow (laughs) and I'd never (laughs) I'd never done any musical improv in my life before so um it was just sort of sink or swim really and uh, then they gave quite um robust feedback and uh yeah (laughs) 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 oh and then the recall was um A bit less scary in a way because in The Recall, we all worked as a group to uh, improvise a musical and they sort of talked us through it a bit more.
1: That's cool. I was like, because were you already doing musical theatre anyway? Because obviously you got Showstoppers and then you've got another musical improv.
0: Yeah, These Folk, which is, um, yeah, myself and Justin Brett, who's absolutely brilliant. And and, uh, it's, yeah, sort of folky inspired improvised musical play. But yeah, I so I hadn't really I hadn't really done loads of musical theatre, but I I trained as an actor, just in a sort of straight acting course as opposed to an MT course. Yeah, so I hadn't yeah, I hadn't really done I'd done like plays with songs, but I hadn't really done like jazz hand stuff before ever. But I've always I've always sung. Like that's I think I've and I've often used that in performance, but um more in a folky way to be honest. So I had to learn the yeah, I had to learn the sort of the jazz hand um, world a bit more.
1: I don't want to say like which do you prefer, but which do you feel (laughs) you naturally uh, Um, sway more towards? (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: it is really interesting. I think like vocally, I much prefer to be totally honest. I much prefer to sort of do what I want, (laughs) um, which means you know, you know, interpreting a song, however, and being a bit folky with it. But actually, on the other hand. Through doing Showstopper, I've been introduced to some amazing musicals and, like, a huge wealth of incredible, moving, funny, really clever stuff that I didn't know about before and I might not have discovered. Oh, right. And also in terms of comedy, because I did used to do musicals, like, as, as a kid in sort of Amdram, and in terms of comedy, like, there's so much sort of, like... Uh, so many brilliant comedy characters, aren't there? Oh, yeah, yeah, and g- great comic performances in musicals as well. So, yeah, there's like so there's a lot to love, but um, yeah, I think I'm just I sort of maybe I've just got a foot in both camps,
1: but that's that's good though, yeah. As, as you say, it, it's good to have sort of fingers in pies, essentially, yeah, for want of a better phrase, but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got lots of pies, <laughs> lots of fingers. <laughs>
1: It does seem to be that rights of performers are very much more what people want now mm-hmm. it'll kind of you, you know i i don't know that like sort of have you have you found that it's like they they want you to they want the performers to write a lot of yeah. the
0: time i yeah i kind of know what you mean i i think i experienced that first in a really nice way on a show called dnn oh yeah which was lovely and Not that they wanted us, they didn't actively want us to write on that show, but they wanted to employ, or they made a decision to cast writer-performers, because it was a lovely team, and I think we were nearly all, uh, yeah, writer-performers, or if there were a couple of people who weren't at the time, they quickly became so.
1: (laughs) Was that... Gemma Arrow smith and Will Andrews.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Carrie Lloyd was in that one as well. Loads of great people. So yeah, like some re- a really... Also, everyone was just... They were just like the nicest people as well. I think that was a conscious decision on the part of the producers to cast people who were from a comedy-savvy background as opposed to just being actors. So that was nice. And that came from them seeing me do stuff in Edinburgh. So... Yeah, it was it was really fun. It was
1: it was a it was a sketch show, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, a sketch show, and uh, it's sort of a bit inspired by the day to day, because um, it was a news. It was called definitely not news round. So, bit, oh right, a bit like a sort of spoof of children's news round, you know? Yes. Yeah, and Kellyanne Lyons, who's another fantastic writer performer, was one of the news anchors alongside Will. And yeah, so they were the news anchors, and then the rest of us had our like news reporter roles um so yeah we had our different roles and then we also played loads of other characters in sketches as well but yeah dnn was also really special for me from a character point of view because i was able to do a couple of my own characters in that i really yeah which felt like such a treat and they were characters i'd done on the live circuit and it was only short bits but still i was like oh my god i can't believe someone's paying me to do my own characters (laughs) oh that's
1: brilliant (laughs) yeah which which characters did you did you do
0: one of them was called Shakira Evans and um she's just like really really positive like yeah just like really positive real fan of reality tv that sort of thing um and the other one was called Jenny Benton Smith and she's a 15 year old spoken word artist from Tunbridge Wells (laughs) <laughs> so um that, that was a real treat
1: <laughs> oh that's great yeah. did they sort of give you the sort of freedom to be like oh do you want to bring some characters in or did they go we well, you liked those characters you did can you bring them in
0: well what happened was they saw yeah they saw me in edinburgh and then i had a chat with them like a meeting but more of a chat and they were like oh can you just send us a couple of, can you just film a couple of things and send them so i filmed a couple of these characters. And and then they were like, oh, we were thinking maybe we could have this segment where you where you do Vox Pops with like four or five different characters, including two existing ones. Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I was like, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that, do sound, that. that
1: sounds all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote those bits and then they would tweak them. And yeah. When was that show? When did you do that? Good question. Was it like maybe it was 2013 or 2014 or something?
1: We did two series. It's it sounds like a really sort of I don't know, you don't get many shows like that for children. You don't get many sketch no. shows. I can, I can only think of horrible histories as a sketch show for children yeah. that you still sort of have now. That sounds like something that you w- you know wouldn't come along very very often.
0: I think you're right and I think we so yeah because we all really believed in it and I think maybe we felt it was a tiny bit overlooked. I don't know why. Because yeah, we also felt like it was quite unusual to have such a sort of a show that was trying to be quite comedy savvy for kids and also we had like an equal amount of men and women which <laughs> which at the time you know not all children's comedy shows did so uh i think we yeah there was a lot of good stuff but um yeah and also it was trying to be topicals so it was trying to do quite a lot of things which in retrospect maybe that was hard oh really yeah in terms of the news not that you could ever tackle anything um adult at all or anything sort of like dark at all (laughs) terrorism yeah exactly (laughs) yeah hilarious uh so yeah it was like you know sort of like um those quirky bits of news that you Mm. know but um (laughs) remember those (laughs) (laughs) back in the olden days although
1: at that time though it felt especially around 2012 2013 People sort of say the news was fairly boring. Yeah, and I think the thing we were most worried about was like Sarah Palin becoming president.
0: Oh my god! I think that
1: was like the thing we were most worried about. Kind of, God, can you imagine?
0: Oh, head, heady times. I know. Well, also,
1: 2013 was after the like we'd had the Olympics the year before, so Britain was actually feeling pretty good about itself.
0: Yeah, for the
1: first time, we'd kind of had this moment of like proper. I don't know, patriotism positivity. <laughs> yeah, and positivity, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. totally. I remember watching the opening ceremonies and being really moved by that. Like mm. one of my friends was one of the people who, you know, pushes the, do you remember it? There was this choreographed sequence with beds, with NHS workers pushing beds. Yes. Um, And he was one of those. And I remember being like so proud. Oh my
1: God. Like
0: rightly so. It was amazing to feel like, yeah. We've got something to be proud of. Yeah, the arts and the NHS. <laughs> and obviously now it's like <laughs> despair.
1: <laughs> I think yeah, kids need another another DNN. Yeah. For um.
0: For the pandemic.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, it just felt it felt really nice to be doing something that was it was for children, but it wasn't patronising at all. And it was like everyone on that show really cared about comedy, like the performers and the team behind it as well. So that was great. That's wonderful. Yeah, really special.
1: And it was was that the same when you did Class Dismissed? Was it a similar, similar. atmosphere? Yeah. Kind of? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The, the atmosphere on Class Dismissed was really nice as well. I l- yeah, just both of those casts, I look back and I think, God, I was so lucky to do those experiences creatively but you know also the people mm. and yeah I think like Class Dismiss had a, a really nice mixture of you know people maybe from a writer performer background but then other people from an acting background but everyone really cared about you know making it funny <laughs> and and making the characters as um, joyful as possible. Is that still going? Yeah it is yeah yeah it is um And they, yeah, they moved, they sort of moved fictional schools, if you see what I mean, I think. Yeah. So, and so they sort of like, <laughs> got rid of a lot of us. <laughs> You're like, no, uh, we need new blood. Uh, <laughs> which I was totally fine about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you had to isolate yourself with any TV comedy character... Ooh. from sketch or sitcom. Oh my who god. Who would it be?
0: So the charac- the character not the performer.
1: Oh no, absolutely the character.
0: Wow. Oh my god. That's good. <laughs> 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 um oh shit, that is Yeah, okay. So League of Gentlemen is out. Um <laughs> uh, Can you imagine oh. the horror? I think possibly um you know W1A. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name, but the main, you know, the guy who's like head of everything, bless him. Is it Ian Fletcher? Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. I think I would self-isolate with Ian Fletcher because Ah. I feel like he'd be very respectful. Um, We'd be respectful of each other's space. He would have a lot of work to do anyway, so he'd be on his (laughs) Zoom calls. (laughs) Yes. And we could both, you know, we could both put headphones in. It'd be fine. And I just think he's a really nice guy. Uh, so that's my answer
1: that's a very interesting <laughs> answer have you been watching the the W1A tweet threads and the videos that have been yeah. going on
0: yeah brilliant uh, I love
1: it one of my favourite things is uh, when they're doing the thread and they're all speaking and then Sarah Parrish just comes in with yes yes, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing just yeah her face is incredible <laughs> such a great choice like you literally I don't think you ever see her smile.
1: No, she is incredibly stone faced yeah. and just says yes. Yeah. That's it, all she says. Yeah, it's, it's
0: brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Just those choices. Um so yeah, I think that's who I would yeah, I think that's who I would self-isolate with. Lovely. <laughs>
1: Than that, friends with friends, and we're on Twitter at friendswf. When I first saw your character stuff, and when I first met you, it was when you did an early preview of Susan Harrison's a bit is a bit weepy, mm. which I. Uh, ended up teching one of your previews. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like, um, a bit later, but uh, and that felt because obviously that show was a, it was about your marriage ending, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's such a kind of big topic to do a comedy show about. Were your character shows were you always doing quite personal uh, narratives throughout, or was that a kind of was that a real first time doing that? Yeah,
0: that was a total first time. I sort of want to try something different each time I make a show and I never want to just like copy a template or just do the same thing, but with, you know, with different characters. In retrospect, I sometimes think that's sort of cutting my nose off to spite my face, because if I did do that, it would be easier for people to connect with me (laughs) and to be like, oh, I liked that show. I'll see the next show. But I have literally never done that. So every solo show I've done, I've tried something different each time. Um, and on that occasion, yeah, I wanted to put some of myself in it, and I wanted to yeah, try being myself, and I hadn't really well, I'd never done that before in character shows, I'd always just been a hundred percent a character, um right, so that was like, yeah, that was a real departure, you know
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was boring feelings,
0: yeah, like totally digging down into how I was feeling. <laughs> um, but yeah it was interesting and I feel like I learned a lot and that year in Edinburgh I because I when I do when I have done Edinburgh I do try and have some reason for doing it and that year I did it in the on the free fringe and I didn't pay for PR or anything like that I didn't have sort of external costs and I was sort of up there anyway with showstopper and stuff so that year I was trying to do it to um yeah to sort of uh push myself into doing something as me or like from me, and also to sort of meet and connect with an audience but but it was all quite experimental, yeah, um, so yeah, not my usual approach.
1: How did you find it doing that approach
0: it was re- it was really interesting, and i learned I genuinely did learn loads um yeah, I th- on a good day, I mean you know what Edinburgh's like, uh so up and down, but on a good day, I absolutely loved it and what i did find was that when it had gone well and when audiences had really responded to it they responded in a much more in a really lovely way because maybe certain things had connected with them but yeah obviously when it didn't go well it felt even more exposing cuz you know you're just you when you whenever you've written something you know what it's like you're sort of putting stuff out there aren't you and it's quite vulnerable making anyway absolutely but there were but yeah so when it was when it was really nice there were some lovely sort of moments that happened or interactions that happened. And this guy afterwards was like, oh, I, I'm i really, I have really bad social anxiety, but I felt really safe that I could come up on stage and I'm really glad I did. And it really made me feel better. <laughs> Stuff like that, which I haven't that's experienced lovely. before. Yeah, it was really, really genuinely very nice, those moments. But that's a testament to you as a as a performer
1: then, because it means people feel, they're, they're not sort of, nervous like you're very much they felt you're very much in control of what was going on you have that duty of care with an audience which Mm. you obviously have and it's the fact that you've made them feel you've kind of created this warm and comfortable atmosphere for them
0: Mm. well thanks that's nice yeah that's really nice I do I do try that is my aim all the time I'm I'm not really a fan of although I have done it in like years ago in the past but it's just not my taste of when characters sort of grab audience members or like force them
1: <laughs> force them against their will
0: yeah but like i have seen it work and it can be hilarious um it's just not my vibe uh sure. so yeah so my whole f- experiment and which i do want to continue with was seeing if people would just take it upon themselves to come on stage and stuff which they did without forcing which was really nice so yeah it was cool to
1: go with that narrative to go with that uh, concept how did you sort of come up with those the characters that you performed around that like madam melancholy and the Headshock mm. and uh <laughs> who else there the the australian
0: flatmate yeah yeah i always try and make the if i'm doing a solo show i try and make all the characters as Different as possible, and that's quite an obvious thing to say, but like physically and vocally. So that that is sort of in the back of my head, and yeah, different reasons really. I suppose like they sort of linked into to feelings in this show. So like with the hedgehog,
1: (laughs) I love the hedgehog. For people who haven't seen it, can you tell us a little more about?
0: Yeah, well, that was like the thing I enjoyed the most, the thing that I got most out of actually in in Edinburgh was being that hedgehog. But anyway, um, yeah, so the hedgehog is. I crawl on stage uh, as a hedgehog um to the Smiths a good time good time you know that song yeah. um <laughs> and then um set myself up in a chair and then ga- like sort of gaze around looking at people and basically i'm I'm sort of willing someone to get up from their seat, go on stage, pick up a carrot and give it to me and then and then it fills me with joy, but there's never any words. Spoken and yeah I used to really like it when it went on for a really long time it
1: takes ages
0: ages and like the longer the better <laughs> so
1: the costume you've got for that is brilliant like you've because you're just covered in pegs aren't you yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it was uh yeah really yeah really simple yeah just exactly just covered in pegs but kind of as it went on in Edinburgh like My friend Jonah, who was teching for me some of the time, I think he started dipping the lights at a point when the audience thought it had ended if no one had come up. And then he would raise the lights again and I'd still be there and there'd be like an additional bonus laugh, which was really nice.
1: That's great. Um,
0: really liked that and it made me feel really good about humans because they always helped. Every day in Edinburgh, someone always spontaneously came on stage. Um, That's really lovely. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah.
1: With your previous shows, then Mm. was that was that more an hour of loads of different characters? Then, like, what were your other shows?
0: Yeah, so they were. I think each one has has had a different approach. So the first one I did was much more what you might expect—just five different characters, all completely different—and I think that was it, quite straightforward. Although I, it was at the underbelly, and I had. An underbelly sort of t-shirt as a dress, and I pretended I was an usher. Oh yeah! At the start, like quite a sort of rubbish usher, and then I would sit down in the audience with them and get my phone out, and um, sometimes people would be a bit annoyed, <laughs> and then I and then it would transpire that I was the first character, you know. But that was the first show, and then the second show I did was they were it was different because they were all in the same world; they were all in a <laughs> a mythical creatures um AGM
1: oh wow
0: so there was a mermaid a fairy a horse who'd had surgery to become a unicorn and <laughs> something else I can't remember and uh a, bor- a borrower
1: so more brilliant costumes yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there was a borrower and it was like a sort of spoof of the train spotting choose life choose a f- home choose yeah. a family and uh it was like that but instead of Heroin. It was Tipex. Great. Borrower was addicted. Had a massive. <laughs> <laughs> it was very like very prop heavy. A, a direct spoof, like with the voice with the voiceover that I'd, you know, change the words so that it was to do with, um, small objects for borrowers.
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
0: sounds nuts, which it was. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that show.
1: That sounds great. I love the mythical creature AGM. That's brilliant.
0: Really silly. Yeah, I have it has been different every time, but I've had no sort of like, um, you know how some people seem to have like a business plan or a master plan? And I have had the opposite of that. <laughs> who, are, who are these
1: people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, just
0: like, do you know what I mean? Some people are like, right, I'm going to do 20 minutes at the Free Fringe and share it with another act. Next year, I'm going to progress to blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's just been like higgledy-piggledy.
1: I think people always set out with that, but what actually happens... It's very different, mm. life and opportunities take you in so many different paths and different directions
0: yeah that's true
1: that um, you might end up at the point you eventually want to get to, but not in the way that you had mapped it out yeah, but also I think that i i't don't, I don't think it's good to map things out because you're just you're setting yourself up for for disappointment yeah <laughs> which sounds really really pessimistic of me, but I just think um think it's good if you just kind of go with what seems to be working for you, yeah, and what you're enjoying doing because clearly you know you enjoy making these shows, and if you had made a master plan kind of thing, you might have been like right well i'm going to do this is the formula that seems to work for me, so i'm going to do a show like that next year and blah blah blah, and you might not have found um any of the characters or any of the shows that you enjoyed doing,
0: yeah, that is true actually, probably wouldn't have found out how much I love waiting to see how long it takes an audience member to give me a carrot (laughs) which genuinely like was like wow I really love this
1: (laughs) let's talk about Hayley and Ruth two stars Mm. your improvised podcast with Gemma Arrowsmith Mm. how what was the sort of thought process behind that like had you already done those characters were you already sort of randomly Um... riffing with each other
0: I can't remember exactly how those characters started, but originally I'd started it as Susan Harrison's back row as opposed to front row. Um, So it was like a sort of arts program. But, you know, the strongest bit of it was me and Gemma waffling on. (laughs) And Gemma's so amazing. Um, So it became that, which was really... It's just so nice. I know you know Gemma quite well, and it's just so brilliant working Mm. with her. She's just such a, a quick comic mind it's amazing but I can't remember how those characters originally came out I think maybe we thought it'd be fun to be reviewers and then we wanted to be sort of obviously reviewers of a different sort of contrasting type but equally idiotic you've been in rehearsal for this for I think is it three years three years three years yeah Yeah, yeah. and I mean, that must be lovely. And you can really see in the rehearsal pictures that the actors have aged noticeably in that time.
1: Some of those people had uh, marriages at the beginning. Those are no longer. Because did you meet Gemma on DNN?
0: Actually, I met her in Edinburgh. We shared a free fringe venue when... Oh, Ah. yeah, another solo show I did that I'd forgotten about. um, Which, (laughs) And the different thing I tried to do that year was I tried to do it without any... Uh, um, without any costume changes or props or anything. So it was just like... Very minimalist. F- phys- yeah, I know. It was just like different every time. <laughs> Very confusing. But um, <laughs> anyway, that was called Folk and Britain. And me and Gemma, yeah, we were in the same space. And she, I think she turned up to the first meeting, like PBH meeting or whatever, with like a spreadsheet of... A hand-created spreadsheet of like different flyering, exit flyering plans and i was like wow this woman's amazing amazing and yeah and then when we found that we were on dnn together um she'd already done the pilot but i hadn't she was so welcoming and instantly was like oh my god it's brilliant that you're now doing this and i just thought that was absolutely fucking lovely
1: had you done a character like hayley before or was was she kind of created for specifically for the the show yeah
0: i think she was created specifically for the show
1: because that voice is great
0: oh thank (laughs) you (laughs) (laughs) it is really fun yeah she's sort of like that um and it is yeah it's really fun accessing that but i often don't give it too much sort of conscious thought i don't think it just sort of i think we just kind of probably started mucking around and then found our two separate personas I guess so yeah I don't think I'd done a character exactly like that before but I do enjoy I do enjoy sort of um those kind of people who are just quite sort of vacuous but think that they're actually very deep (laughs) yeah 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 uh, yeah. and and it's and also it's just really fun to it's fun to sort of like poke fun at a reviewer isn't it and I had done that before in a show but um it's always (laughs) nice to do (laughs)
1: Life. What is theatre if it's not sacrifice? Exactly. And that is why at the end of each of my shows I sacrifice some kind of living organism. Yeah,
0: yeah. I thought that was really striking. That was so I striking. Thought the murdering of the cat was, I mean, I've never seen it's anything. It's not easy so... to murder a cat. No. No, it's not. That... It's not easy to pick one up, let alone Especially murdering. in one move, continuously.
1: Do you have a sort of Process with creating a character? Like, do you find a voice first, or are you sort of people watching and finding behavioural patterns? Like, is is there a process? Because sometimes there is with people, and sometimes it's just
0: yeah trying
1: stuff out, whatever works. I don't
0: know, yeah, it's an interesting question because I've had to give that a bit of thought actually. When because I've been teaching sort of character in improv, like classes that look at that, so I have had to give it a little bit of thought, Um and I think. I definitely am people watching all the time, uh, but not necessarily consciously. Just, I just find people really interesting. I find the way people move really interesting, and their vocal, you know, patterns really interesting. So I think that's something I've just always, always done. Sometimes I start physically. Like, there's one character who actually became the Australian flatmate character who I just really... Uh, actually, before before it was that, it was something else. And she had these white jeans that had a really long zip, like a really long crotch, <laughs> just the style of the jeans. And it made me... And it just made me really want to, like, um, make her move with her pelvis, basically. And then it just lent itself to being really... Re- walking really slowly. So sometimes it'll be, like, that way round, like, outside. <laughs> and then other times it'll be... Um, wanting to sort of spoof an element of behavior or something or it might be just like oh i need a different contrasting voice for this
1: i always find that with the with your online videos you're very good at sort of nailing the type all these kind of reality stars
0: thank you yeah i do do enjoy watching them that's probably why
1: (laughs) i just (laughs) so it's born out of love
0: it actually is like it actually genuinely is i do like i absolutely loved watching love island and um and I was fond of those people I didn't think they were like bad people I've genuinely sometimes I was like quite moved by their you know by their friendships or by like how young they are you know some of them are like 19 or you know so it 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 might sound weird but it does actually come from a good place (laughs) like um Danny Dyer, as in daughter of Danny yes. Dyer, um, confusing, <laughs> confusing name. Um, I bloody love her, and you know, just got so much joy out of watching her. And probably that was why I was able to impersonate her or do a version of her during that series because I just watched her so intently. <laughs>
1: It is now time for the final section of the podcast. Me? I am going to give you the name of a character, mm-hmm. uh, which is given by a previous guest. And great. I'm going to ask you to describe who you think that character is. Love it. And then when we're done, I'm going to ask you to give me a name of a different character for me to pass <laughs> on to my next guest.
0: Okay, great. I'm excited.
1: So the title of this round is Chain of Character.
0: Whoa. Whoa! Yeah. Ch- Change. Change. Chain of characters. Change.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> this character's name has been gifted to you by Steve Dawson.
0: Oh, lovely, Steve. Lovely, Steve. Steve.
1: <laughs> the character's name is Jeff Brunswick.
0: Oh yeah, I know Jeff. Yeah, he runs a, a well. He runs a betting shop in the uh, the old Woking High Street. He has sort of auburny hair and a beard in need of, of trimming. And um, he is sort of, he smells of smoke. What
1: kind of smoke?
0: What kind of smoke? Like um, <laughs> woodbine smoke. <laughs> and, oh, I see. Uh, Not
1: like cigars or, or cigarettes. Just, like. <laughs>
0: just, well, I don't even know what it is, but woodbine, definitely. Um, and he, yeah. is, he is based in the 1970s. That's when he lives. Oh. Yeah. He's a nice guy, Jeff, Jeff, isn't uh, He's a really nice guy, runs a betting shop, family man, deeply religious, really nice. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right. Has he always been a betting man? And how does that, how does that conflict with his religious
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a great question. View? Yeah, he's always been a betting man since he placed his very first bet when he was 12 on the horses and won a surprisingly large amount of money of 45 pounds, which was quite a lot of money for a young kid at that time. Um, and he he saw that as an act of God. So for him, that was his spiritual moment. So that really, that brought him to the church.
1: Betting brought him to the church. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, he's unusual in that respect. But uh, from then on, he attended, you know, sermons every... <laughs> every sunday um joined the church choir um and yeah yeah he's he's very much the the fabric of his being is quite religious now
1: how does his wife and his family feel about his his betting and his gambling
0: they're actually in favor of it because um they <laughs> <laughs> they sort of benefit i mean it's like a family business like the betting shop is the family business um and you know it's 1970s so perhaps a little bit Less judgment around it then, maybe. Um, and his wife also, he met her in Las Vegas. She used to work as a sort of chips girl anyway. So she's like, she's incredibly glamorous American. What's her name? Suki Suki Henshaw. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah. And um she's kept her maiden name. They're a very unusual family for the times.
1: <laughs> is it uh is it a boy and a girl? Two boys, what's the Yeah, boy His and a girl. Boy and a girl. Boy and a girl.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and they um you know, they help out on the shop floor. They're not old enough to actually serve customers, but they do a bit of sort of like rearranging of the leaflets and sweeping up and stuff.
1: And you say that he uh he lives in the nineteen seventies. Does he do, does he survive the coming decades
0: (laughs) oh god oh god so um well he would have been like 40 in 1975 so oh god i'm i hate to say this but he has passed away sorry to break it to you so abruptly on a podcast (laughs) i know i know but he lives on in the memories of his children
1: are they continuing the family business or have they knocked it all down and
0: no they they took it over um running it as a brother sister duo um, ah. <laughs> um what are their names <laughs> their names are tabitha and um tim tabitha and tim yeah yeah tabitha yeah. and tim yeah the the mum had the final say over names and um they're yeah so they're basically they're, they're doing okay though they've sort of like furloughed themselves
1: yeah so they're fine
0: don't worry. I don't. We need to worry about them. They'll be okay.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah. And are they? Are they? Are they still a very religious family? Or
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> was, was Was their faith shaken by the death of, no, of Jeff because, Brunswick?
0: No, because like he'd lived a good life. He'd had a good innings. Yeah. So no, they. uh You know, obviously they were like very sad. <laughs> yes. So obviously they mourned, but they didn't. <laughs> they didn't like. uh You know, they weren't angry with God about it. That's nice. Yeah. That's uh, Ending on a positive.
1: His spirit uh, lives on yeah. through, through them. Exactly. Thank you very much. That's, that's Jeff Brunswick. That's him. Could you please tell me the mm-hmm. name of the character you are going to give our next guest?
0: Yes. It is Linda Worksop.
1: Linda Worksop. Yeah. Who is Linda Worksop? <laughs> we shall find out in the next episode of Out of Character. In the meantime, thank you so much for being my guest, Susan Harrison.
0: Thank you, it's really fun. Great big owl.com. Heavy pencil. An actor of my experience, you just get run dry. A podcast sitcom with Anna Crilly and Tony Gardner. (laughs) I played played Edmund Gelder and he played Fanny Snatch. The Observer called it a lovely thing. Wonderfully funny, pitched perfectly, produced with a light touch. I'm not having any
1: more of this. I need you to pull me off immediately. Heavy
0: Pencil from Great Big Owl.